Welcome to the DL. This is the show where we talk about everything in the truck and equipment repair industry. It's my job to help inform and educate you on ways to help your business. We talk with technicians, business owners, associations, industry experts, manufacturers, and even a few you wouldn't think traditionally apply to your business. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The DL. I am your host, Tyler Robertson, the CEO and founder of Diesel Laptops. And today I have a very special guest, and I'm actually a bit nervous. This is my first time interviewing another podcaster. So we're going to see how this goes. You've seen him here probably on the air. I've been on his show before. He's actually been on here before, but talking about diesel parts. But today we get to talk about him. So with all that said, Jamie, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I'm not used to the one having to answer all the questions. I feel like I'm in the hot seat. It, it's like a flip thing, right? Like all of a sudden we're turning the tables on you and I get to, I get to pepper you with questions and, and hear about <laughs> you and everything. So wh- why don't we just kind of start out with like, I think we start with it today, like where you're at today, and then we'll kind of go back to, to figure out how you got here. So you got one to describe everyone what exactly you do. And I, I got to know too, is it Irvine or Irvin? I, I always get it confused. <laughs> Well, if I was in, uh, you know, if if the branch of my family, when they got to North America, had gone with the uncle who went to California, we would pronounce it Irvine, just like Irvine, California. But unfortunately, my grandfather, or I should say great-great-grandfather, stayed behind in New Brunswick, Canada, and therefore we say we say Irvin. <laughs> well, that works. And I, I still give my dad a hard time, too. I'm like, why couldn't your dad's dad go to like Florida when they came over here instead of Northern Minnesota where I grew up. So I still give them a hard time, but yeah. So yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us about what you do. Like give us, give us the, give us the, the elevator pitch. So I'm the host of the heavy duty parts report. It's an industry leading show that focuses on heavy duty parts, how high quality parts, lower cost per mile for fleets and, and how we can leverage uh, that information to help fleets with their total cost of operation. So we typically interview heavy-duty parts specialists that work for manufacturing companies as well as industry experts. And we really talk about all of the issues facing the trucking industry from A to Z. So that's where you're at today. And I, I think you have a good entrepreneurial story to, to go through because I, I was an entrepreneur just trying to figure things out. I know you've gone through that. I've seen the journey as well. But why don't you give everyone a little bit of background uh, on, on both. You have a, both a podcasting background and you have parts, truck parts, industry knowledge background, right? And again, those kind of converge, but you might go through the story a little bit for everyone. Well, we'll try to boil down 20 plus years into just a, a brief couple minutes, but I started in the heavy duty parts industry in 98, right out of school. I worked for a remanufacturing facility that manufactured and remanufactured pneumatic controls for industrial equipment, for trucking, logging, mining, that kind of thing. And I started right at the bottom, started in the shop, sandblasting parts, uh, worked up to be shop foreman, became an operations manager, eventually a national sales account manager. And then I went to work for uh, Traction Heavy Duty, which is Napa's heavy duty parts division, and uh, was a sales account manager for them. So this is around 2007. In 2009, I resigned. I'd had a great couple of years with Traction. I made a lot of money as a sales uh, account manager. I kind of bonused out and maxed out all of my bonuses. And I took every dollar I had and I went and launched a consulting business with a partner. And that was in early 2009. So the whole global economic meltdown had happened and you know things were were not the best. And my partner about four months in said, 
I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. And so, you know, we're still friends to this day, but I will say that um, I like all kinds of ships except for partnerships because <laughs> we spent all of our money and we invested every dollar we had into that business and it failed very quickly. And all of a sudden, my wife and I are in a position where we're down to our last $700. And, you know, in a couple of weeks, we've got to make a house payment and, it, and we have a young daughter and there's nobody hiring. It's 2009. So I couldn't even get back into the truck industry if I wanted to. So I did what any good entrepreneur does when the first business fails. You start a second business. And there was an opportunity to start a business doing exterior building maintenance. We were living in the Vancouver area. So think uh, the Pacific Northwest, think Seattle, lots of rain, lots of moisture. And so everything needs to be cleaned, uh, you know, power wash, window cleaning, gutters, all that kind of thing. So I set up my contracting business. My wife and I went to work. We uh, spent our last $700 on a little utility trailer to be able to get the tools to the job site. We had a general contractor loan us tools and teach us what to do. And I was like, how did I go from being someone who had a good career in the truck parts industry, who was about to become a business consultant, and now I'm cleaning gutters? Like, how did this happen? But you do what you have to do to survive. And so very quickly, I decided that I was going to take this opportunity to build a real company. I didn't want to be on the tools. I had no desire to be a contractor. So I said, I have to build a company. And I started to build this company and I, I started to systemize it and hire people and get people to do the work. And I was running the business behind the scenes, but we couldn't get it to grow fast enough. And so we turned to digital tools. And I remember like starting with Google AdWords Express and then Google AdWords and just figuring it out. And we were able to build that business up very quickly. And within seven years, we sold it to a competitor. And so that's where I got my real, really, that's where I got my master's in business because I went from startup with $700 bootstrapping all the way through to a merger acquisition deal. And I got to learn the whole process. And that was great. I had an opportunity to come back into heavy duty parts in 2016. And I started working for Truck Pro's Canadian division, again, as a sales account manager. It was going great. But right away, I was almost taken aback by how little movement the truck parts industry and trucking in general had, had moved towards using digital tools and leveraging sales and marketing from a, from a digital sales channel perspective. And so I kept pushing and pushing for, for some changes at our local store and Finally, I just realized I needed to do something different to differentiate myself in the industry. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I didn't, when I started my entrepreneur thing here, it wasn't diesel laptops. What I was doing is I was buying liquidated store returns and, and warrantied items from manufacturers through a bunch of different websites. And there's platforms out there to do that. And then I would, I would bring them in. And I would sort them out. I was buying computer components. I knew computers really well. So I'd buy computer components, like customers return keyboards. They think they didn't work, but they just didn't put a new set of batteries in them or something. So they're wireless. You know, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, so then I started just putting them on eBay and, and flipping them and basically flipping them around and, and doing that whole thing. So, you know, that was a lot of foundational stuff, though, was like, man, you can make money selling stuff on the Internet. And it goes 24-7 and I don't have to be there. I just have to do this thing. And it sounds like you've kind of figured out some of those business building blocks by essentially failing and by learning and going through the process. So do you see some of those things that you went through before help build up on what you do now with the heavy duty parts report? Absolutely. I, what, what ended up happening was when I got back into selling truck parts, 
I had all of these people who I had helped in the past kind of start their own contracting businesses. And so I kept having people coming to me and saying, hey, you know, you, you went from nothing. Seven years later, you exited and you sold your business. And we also know that you were running it remotely from like 600 miles away at one point. How the heck did you do that? And so I thought to myself, well, what's the best way for me to be able to share my knowledge and maybe to, to you know, spin this off into a business? And so the whole concept of business coaching was, was pretty something that I was very familiar with because I, I followed Michael E. Gerber, who, who is the person who started the business coaching industry. And his whole work, he wrote books called The E-Myth. It's all about business systemization. And so I was very familiar with that model. And um, I like to talk and I'm not a, the, the best writer I can write, but I, I prefer to, to express myself verbally. And so eventually I found podcasting and I launched a podcast called Build a Better Business. It actually started off as the Jamie Irvin podcast for entrepreneurs. I rebranded to Build a Better Business. I did 150 episodes and underneath of that, I had a coaching business and I did get some clients, but it just never took off. And, and the big problem was, is it was too broad in its message. So when you say build a better business, like which industry are we talking about? You don't know. There's no, there's, there's no specificity there. And so when people would find it, they, they often would like the content, but again, they weren't really sure, is this for me? And so they would go find a, a show or a business coach that was more focused and 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 that they were able to know oh oh I see this is specifically for me. And so the show I did I did well in the sense that I learned how to become a podcast host. I learned all the you know the the technical stuff that has to happen behind the scenes. I created systems for the show, but it just never would take off. Meanwhile, I'm working as a sales account manager and this is kind of my side hustle. And I remember when I was getting kind of burnt out and I was ready to quit I was going to shut down, build a better business. And I thought to myself, you know, I can't quit. So what did I learn from my past entrepreneurial experience? Well, I learned to pivot. And sometimes you have to pivot in directions that you don't want to go in. Like when I had to go from trying to be a business consultant to being a, <laughs> a contractor, it wasn't exactly in the plan. But this pivot was different because I love the truck industry. And I, I, I'd spent basically 60% of my career in truck parts. And I love it. So pivoting towards that industry wasn't something that I didn't want to do. I, I actually became very excited about the opportunity. And so I remember going into my podcast player and searching heavy duty parts. And it came up with zero. There was some truck, you know, freight and, and trucking related podcasts, but there was nothing dedicated to heavy duty parts. And it was just one of those moments where it was like palm of hand to forehead what are you doing? Why did you just spend two years, <laughs> you know, going down this road around the contracting, which you didn't even like to do. And the whole time, the, the, the love of your career, the truck parts industry was waiting for you to come and serve them. But, you know, sometimes you just don't know what you don't know until you know it. And so as soon as I saw that, I knew what to do, what to do, excuse me. So I, I started the heavy duty parts report June 1st, 2019. And I started interviewing people. I built up a few interviews ahead of time. I, I launched the show on June 1st and launched three episodes right away. And I took everything that I had learned in 20 some years of being around the truck parts industry, in those seven years of being building a contracting business, and the couple failed attempts at, at setting up a consulting business and a podcast. And I brought all of that experience together 
And in episode 13, I interviewed Tyler Robertson, CEO of Diesel Laptops. And little did I know when I interviewed you that that was going to be the birth of the rebirth of my dream to be a consultant. Because only a few weeks later, you and I started discussing working together. And by January 1st, 2020, the show is only six months old. I launched my consulting business. I quit my sales account management job and uh, your company became my first client. And from there, the show has just rapidly continued to grow. You know, we, we found there's a saying that says that the riches are in the niches and you have to serve a niche. And for me, focusing on nothing but heavy duty parts and, and just interviewing parts manufacturers and working with companies, great companies like yours who are trying to also serve the industry has created this wonderful positive feedback loop where the show grows, my consulting business grows, the consulting business grows, the show grows, and, and everybody seems to be benefiting because I'm able to now kind of be at the center of all of this great activity. And I just, I'm on cloud nine. This has been all of my dreams and 20 years of hard work kind of culminating into something that I'm very proud of and, and just extremely grateful that the industry accepted me and uh, that I've found a place where I can really, really help people and serve this wonderful industry that really is the backbone of society, the trucking industry. Yeah. And there's a lot of parallels here. I mean, you kind of had to walk through a little bit of hell there, right? You went through a business that didn't work. You got into a business you really weren't passionate about. You know, you went back to working for somebody else, but you, you kind of had to get through all that because then you went to get, if you didn't do those things, there's no way you'd get to where you're at today. And I say the same thing with my story. If I didn't go work, for, if, if my if my dad and his brothers didn't buy a truck dealership and got me involved in the HD industry, if they didn't know, how, you know, they ended up having to sell that business and I stayed into it. Um, if I didn't go work for somebody else and see all the opportunities and take these other roles, uh, if I didn't have the background in computers, there's no way I could do this whole thing at Diesel Laptops. So you have all these things that don't seem like they really are mean much in your life, but all of a sudden they, they kind of culminate together. And I think you did what I did. You realized at one point, like, man, I, I have a certain, certain really niche experience here. There's got to be a way to monetize this and, and, and make this a career thing and, and something I'm passionate about. And I'm guessing you're a lot like me. You wake up in the morning. It's the first thing you think about is, is what's going on in your business and the podcast and checking emails and, and, and all that stuff. But the, the question I want to ask you is for people listening to this, they're thinking about starting a business or starting a podcast. Um, how did, how did you find your first couple of guests? Like, how did, how did that go? Cause it's usually the hardest thing, right? To go, Hey, be on my podcast. And someone's like, what, what's a podcast or like, who are you? You know, that's, that's a little difficult thing to overcome at first. Well, I've already dropped one quote. I'm going to drop another one. And, uh, so I, I said before that the riches are in the niches. So I want everyone to remember that got to be an inch wide and a mile deep. But there's another great quote that I love, which is your net worth is tied to your network. And my first, so the first three episodes were solo episodes. I did one introducing the show, one introducing me. And the third one was a deep dive on my entire viewpoint around lowering costs per mile and high quality parts. And I put a flag in the, <laughs> in the sand and said, you know, this is where I stand on this issue. And I wasn't afraid to do that. And that really helped to launch the show and have everybody start to get buzz and talk about the show. But it's an interview-based show, so I had to find guests. So I went back to my network and I said, which manufacturers have I been very successful selling their products in the past? So remember, I worked for Napa's heavy-duty division, Traction. I worked for Truck Pro's Canadian division. And I had 
been sales, a sales account manager selling manufacturers parts. So I went back to my network and I, and I interviewed Bob Hicks from Marathon Break because when I worked for that remanufacturer all those years ago, we started to reline Marathon Break shoes and I actually set up all the equipment and I actually, you know, tore down the, the brake shoes, ripped off all the friction, cleaned them, and I actually lined the first thousand shoes that Contact Products ever relined, and then I went out and sold them. And so because of that, I had this longstanding relationship with Marathon, and I was able to phone them, and Bob was willing, he's the CEO of the company, he was willing to come on the show and talk about friction material. And I basically did that for the first, I would say, 10 or 20 episodes or so. Most of those first guests were just people that I had built up a relationship with. So don't burn bridges because, you know, things that I had done 15 years in the past were now paying off in 2019 as I was launching this new show and trying to establish it in the industry. And of course, then it's like the heavy duty. What? (laughs) Who are you? You know, if I had just gone to people I didn't know, they wouldn't have been interested, but it actually got the ball rolling. And once you get one manufacturer come on the show, then all of a sudden someone says, hey, well, they got a chance to be on the show. We want to be there. And, and it started this, this snowball effect. There was a couple anomalies, and, and this is the power of the internet. So uh, we had, I didn't know anything about, about after treatment or diesel emission systems. It was not a product I had ever sold. I knew nothing about it. And very quickly, Road Warrior saw what we were doing, and they said they were an early adopter. They wanted to be on the show, and I had no previous relationship with them. And so Dave German came on the show and that has, I mean, after treatment is one of the things I talk about repeatedly on the show. And we've now published well over a hundred episodes on the podcast. We're up to almost 60 episodes on our live show and after treatment is just a recurring theme. So now I feel like I've interviewed everybody at after treatment, but back then I didn't know anybody. And the other person was you because of that after treatment post, I actually posted something that was purposely controversial. And I said, you know, should you delete your aftertreatment from your truck? And you messaged me and basically said, no, you idiot, it's illegal. And I, and I messaged you back and said, yeah, but now we're talking. And you were like, hey, that's a good point. And, and a wonderful relationship blossomed from that first post on LinkedIn. So we leveraged the power of digital tools immediately. But we, we started off by really digging into our network that I had built up over 20 years in the industry. Yeah, no, I, I can say the same thing too. I mean, you know, you just mentioned where I first met you was LinkedIn. And I, I tell this story to people all the time again. I have a lot of my business and relationships I have is because of LinkedIn. And I've literally spent zero dollars on LinkedIn. It's one of those platforms you really get out of it what you put into it. And it doesn't matter what your profession is. I mean, I see people on there that are, are minimum wage and have a great following on LinkedIn because they, they just want to tell their story, right? And then you see people on the other side of the spectrum as well. And it's a place, again, you can connect 24-7. And what, what changed for me is once I started posting on there, then I'd go to trade shows, people started recognizing me. That was a really bizarre thing. It's like, hey, you're you're Tyler. I'm like, yeah, who, who the heck are you? So, I, I mean, I know trade shows hasn't happened, but I'm assuming you kind of get a little bit of that now when you start talking to people. They, they've seen you, they've heard you, they know your name. Uh, how's, how's that been working out? And has that worked out in your favor? Absolutely. And, and <laughs> I remember TMC 2020. You and I were standing side by side. You were talking to someone about uh, diesel laptops. And I was talking to someone about diesel parts. And uh, at the time, it wasn't even called that, but that's what I was talking to them about. 
And uh, the, I remember this this young man walked by. He was probably 25, 30 years old. And he stops and he looks and he looks at me and he looks at you and he says, Jamie, Tyler, I can't believe you guys are together. And you and I looked at each other like, who is this guy? And he, he, he shook our hands and kind of did the bro hug to both of us. And neither of us had ever met him before. And he worked for some dealership in, in, in the Midwest and was so excited to see the two guys he followed on LinkedIn the most. And, and he felt like he knew us. So that was kind of a, a, an eye-opening experience because those that, you know, before COVID locked us down, we, we went to a bunch of trade shows together and that happened over and over and over again. Sure, we saw people we knew, but there was all these people coming up to us who we had never met before, but who followed us on LinkedIn and saw our content. And they were very enthusiastic to meet with us and help us connect with people. And I had questions like that all the time. Who do you want to meet? Like, who in my network can I introduce you to? Because what you're doing is great. And so it has, it has transformed my career. It's transforming my life. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, I could tell, you know, I listened to your first couple episodes and right. And then I started commenting on your stuff. And then obviously, you know, I got on there in episode 13 or so. Um, but, you know, I could tell right. I, you know, I, I knew kind of like, OK, I, I need to if people are on the social media and they're talking about stuff in the truck repair, truck parts, truck, sale, whatever it is, I want to be involved with them because they're 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 singing my song. They are talking about things and everything you talk about is helping people, right? That's a lot of what yours is knowledge, helping people, showing them resources, showing them opportunity. That's the same thing we try to do here at Diesel Laptops is just, we're here to help you, right? We, we hopefully use our products, but at the end of the day, we want to help you and make this industry a little bit better place for everybody. And like you said earlier, the, the thing that surprised you probably is, hey, there's no podcasts. And, you know, you look at it like, man, there was $34 billion in truck parts sold last year. Why, why is there not a podcast or a show that, that's talking about these things? Because this is 2020, 2021. It's not a long time ago. And the world's changed. Media's changed a lot. And it's really interesting just to see where everything's going. So now you're a bunch of episodes in. You know, what's the future look like? Where, where do you think you can bring this whole thing to? Well, I have a very long-term plan. And... Um, I look at things in terms of 25 years. And so I have five five-year plans and they're all stacked on top of each other. And, and so I have this, this long-term vision of where I'd like to go. And you know, it all started with establishing the show, building credibility, building up our following. But then how do you leverage that to influence the industry in a positive way? And when I look 25 years out, that's the position I'd like to be in, where I can influence the entire industry in positive ways. If you have no influence, you have no ability to be part of the solution. You just kind of get swept along with whatever's going on. And that, so that, that's kind of the big macro for me. But then what I do is I, as I've boiled that down to that first five-year segment, which we're only two years into. And um, I can say that we are on track for our goals. And what I've done is each year of the first two years, I've set really big, audacious goals. And so in the first year of the show, it was all about establishing the show. And I remember sitting down with my team and, and saying, going into 2021 and saying, you know, we want to hit a million impressions in 2021. And my team kind of was like wide eyed, blink, blink, blink. And it was silent. And they said, how are we going to grow by 90%? And I said, well, we're going we're gonna to figure it out. We're going to find a way. 
And I, you know, we, we hit 650,000 impressions uh, by the end of June. So we're well over halfway to our goal. And, and, and it, it's so important to have a vision and to be primarily focused on how you can help. Like, why do I want those impressions? Those impressions aren't about the vanity metric. It's about a measurable way, a scorecard to keep track of our growth and to ensure that the things that we're doing to support and serve the industry are working. Because if we do a fantastic job providing great information, but nobody hears it or sees it, we're not going to be able to help. We're not going to be able to influence in any way. And so I've been really focused on that. And I I just, you know, for me, the heavy duty parts report is a wonderful place for people to come. It's, uh, you know, I had someone comment the other day who just found the show and they were, they were like, wow, this is like one of the best aftermarket resources for parts in the industry. Like when you go to all that back catalog now of hundreds of episodes, because we have both a live show and the podcast and you know, they were so excited about that. And so that for me is, is what it's about. It's like, how do we figure out ways each year to incrementally continue to grow towards serving the industry and providing people with what they need? The money just comes with that. When you do the right things in the right order and you apply the business, you know, a business mentality of efficiency, systemization, it's like the thing just can't help but grow. And so I'm excited about that. And I'm just excited about continuing to engage with the trucking associations like TMC, with the uh, groups that are really responsible for both tier one manufacturing as well as aftermarket support. We've got huge issues coming down the trucking pipeline at us. We've got all of these things related to automation. We've got everything related to to the climate and emissions. We've got everything related to the demographics that are dramatically changing, and there's more people leaving the industry than coming in. We've got huge problems to solve. How do we continue to position ourselves in such a way that we can, one, innovate, and two, be part of the solution? And that's my guiding light in everything that we do. Yeah, and you do a, you do a tremendous job. I listened to your episodes. Uh, you do a great job putting it all together. It's it's been it's been awesome watching how how far you've come, how fast you've come. And then you look at that and you're like, man, where am I going to be in two more years from now, right? And it's I, I will reiterate what you said too. When I first quit my job to do this thing in diesel laptops, I just wanted to provide for my family and, and make an income, right? I had a one year old and a three year old and a stay at home wife. I was like, I just got to put food on the table, right? But then it quickly turned into like, wow, this this is actually a real thing. Can I can I make this a real sustainable business that's around for a long time? And then, you know, once I crossed that bridge, it was like, okay, now can we like really scale this thing up and go go way bigger than we've even thought we could go? And you know, we're starting to do that. And then it for me now, it's you know, I look at them like, man, how many companies have the opportunity to really impact their industry and the way things are done and implement change for the better for everybody? And I think Diesel Laptops has that. But in everything I just said, it was never about chasing the dollar. The, the dollars always came when you when you did those things. And that's the great thing about it is sometimes you just got to help figure out, solve problems. People will come to you, right? They'll come to you and they'll start asking for advice. They'll start buying things from you once they trust you, once they know you. And that's a lot of what this is. And, you know, at the end of the day, you picked one of the hardest social media platforms to grow a platform on, right? Which is podcasts. I can tell you we do, you know, social media, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, blogs, forums, all this stuff. Podcasts are by far the most difficult thing for us to grow. Um, so my, my hat's definitely off to you in that regard. It is the most difficult, but because it's the most difficult, it also is the most rewarding. And 
podcasting is very, very different than any other media that we have available to us. It's very intimate. You, I mean, people are usually wearing earbuds. I mean, you are inside their head. <laughs> Your voice conveys a certain level of emotion. People can pick up on on your personality. They they start to understand who you are as a person, what you stand for, what your company stands for. Podcasting is is very, very powerful. And of course, we also, as do with your show, we also do a video cast. So we're providing people both the ability to watch the interview or to listen. And we've started to add production value to the videos with uh, B-roll clips and things like that to just make it more engaging. But I still go back to the podcasting the spoken word i mean for for all of human history the oral transmission of information was what we relied on to transfer from one generation to the next everything needed to move on as as a human race so there's something really special about podcasting and what i love about podcasting as well is that you don't need tens of thousands like with if you're going to run an email campaign with a 2% open rate and, you know, a click-through rate of 0.0001%, you need a million people to sell a whole bunch of product. But with podcasting, especially if you're in a B2B environment, what do you need? 10 customers to grow your business by 50% next year? Like, it, it's, it's just a different, it's a different world and people need to get their heads around that. And as I said, you know, we do have that one goal around impressions but it's not about the vanity metrics. It's about how many people can we impact and, and how do we turn that into uh, something that perpetuates the whole business forward and helps us with our goals. Yeah. And I, I think people don't understand that. I see, I've seen so many people this last two years start a podcast show, they do a couple episodes, and then it just, it just goes in, in, into the dust, right? It just disappears. And you're right. We don't get as many listeners on, on our podcast as we do on other platforms, but you get them for 20 or 30 or 40 minutes, right? And like you said, they get to know you, they get to know your company, those are the people referring to you. It's not about quantity as much as it is about quality. Uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing. It's a time-consuming thing, as you know, you're recording the episodes and prepping and, and all these things that go into it. So it's a great platform. Tyler, think about that. If you and I were putting on a live presentation post-COVID and we were at a trade show and we got 50 people to pack one of those side rooms, I mean, it would be wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder. And if we put on a really engaging, you know, presentation for 30 minutes and, and had a strong call to action at the end, you and I would have considered that to be a roaring success and we would have been so happy. And yet I hear people like, oh, I only have 150 people on my podcast. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's three times the size of what I just described in a live presentation. I mean, there are there are professional speakers who get paid to speak who would be thrilled with 150 people in a room for 30 minutes, not just once, but every week after week after week after week. So don't minimize the value of that. Yeah. And that's the great thing about podcasts. Usually you're consistent, right? You're consistently putting an episode out. People know to expect it. You're constantly in front of them. Um, and that's the same reason I use LinkedIn. It's like, I'm, I'm going to go post two quality posts a week. That's, that's at the max. Usually what I do is two quality posts a week, let them go. And that's the strategy I've been using. And there's a lot of strategies out there. But before we sign off, I, I got to ask you at least a current industry question. You talk to all these manufacturers, you talk to people all around it. What are some of the big things you're seeing right now in the industry that's really kind of the hot topics? 
So it really comes down to uh, automation and electrification. That's one of the big concerns because it's going to fundamentally change the technology inside of trucks. And if you're manufacturing diesel engine parts or turbochargers or after-treatment products, or even SCAM brakes and things like that, you're nervous because it's what is the future? So I, I hear that from manufacturers all the time. And then I would say on, on the other side, it is the entire shift in demographics and, and buying behavior. So as the baby boomers are exiting our industry faster than we have people to replace them, the digital natives, the kids who grew up with a, a technology and, and they're so comfortable with it, they're starting to adopt senior leadership roles and they are starting to influence the way companies buy. And so I hear a lot of people very concerned about how they are able to integrate a digital sales channel within their business model without completely gutting the decades of work that was done before that to build up the traditional distribution channel and the relationships that they have with traditional distributors. So those are the two really, really big issues on the part side anyway, that I keep hearing. And that's why, you know, we had a different vision of, what, of how we were going to monetize the heavy duty parts report, but the market told us that we needed to work as a consultant and to work with companies directly to help them in different ways, you know, integrating digital technology into their business model. And so everything from helping you with diesel parts to helping other companies with their, their digital sales channel adoption, that's been the area where we focused and try to serve people the most. Yeah, I, I think you hit it exactly right, nail right on the head, uh, head right on the nail. Um, what I look at is the fact that COVID really sped everything up right? Things that were going to take five or 10 years, all of a sudden got really compressed and things need to happen quickly. And I look at the commercial truck part space, like I do the automotive part space. A decade ago, tons and tons or 20 years ago, tons and tons of independent part retailers. They were all over the place. I remember going to with my dad, we didn't go to a Napa or Riley's or an AutoZone. We went to the local automotive parts store. And I see that today in the heavy duty truck world. Tons and tons of mom and pop, small operations selling parts with one or two locations. And in the meantime, you have big companies buying them up and building these big conglomerates and doing roll-ups and private equity getting in there, digital strategies coming out. So I see that industry going the exact same way the automotive did for the parts side. So it's going to be really interesting to see how fast it happens. I get a feeling it's going to happen faster than it did with automotive. It's a $34 billion a year industry. People are going to figure it out. That's a lot of zeros and commas to be laying on the table everywhere. But with, with all that, Jamie, I just want to say I really appreciate you coming on the show. If people want to get a hold of you, throw out the LinkedIn, the websites. Uh, you're all over the place. Where How do people follow you and learn more? The easiest way is to go to heavydutypartsreport.com. And uh, that way you can follow the show for free. Just subscribe to the weekly email. You'll get a weekly email notification for every episode. But of course, if you want to go directly to our, our LinkedIn uh, or social media channels or a podcast player of your choice, all you have to do is type in the heavy duty parts report and uh, you will find it on all the major social media and pretty much every podcast player known to man, as well as our YouTube channel. So, but all those links can be found at heavydutypartsreport.com. So that's the best place to go. Go there first. You'll see the brand new website we just launched. We're very happy with it. And all of the links are there and embedded, so it'll be very easy for you to, to do that. We also are on TNC Radio Live, which in syndication, seven days a week. So if you want to listen to some great truck uh, and transportation-related live radio, you can do that at TNC. And there's a link on heavydutypartsreport.com for that as well. So just go to the website. Everything you need is there. 
So I'm gonna say this too, just to put another little plug in for you. If there's a parts manager or parts director, or you're just learning out about parts, even if you're an experienced parts professional, seriously, just go listen to your hundreds of episodes. They, there is so much golden nuggets of information in there. It is unbelievable. And you will learn a ton and impress your clients and probably sell more parts just from listening to Jamie. So you do a great job, sir. And you know, as I end every episode, I'm gonna say this. It's not just diagnostics, it's diagnostics done right. And you need parts to do that. I can tell you diesel laptops, we're investing millions of dollars into this whole parts thing. We're figuring it out. Other companies are well. The world is changing quick. You got to keep up with the times. Again, thanks for coming on the show, Jamie. Thanks to everybody watching and listening. And we'll catch you next time.